Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. The ramifications of this type of thing are profound for the housing market in, in the lower mainland. Tonight, the crisis of skyrocketing strata insurance rates, leaving thousands of British Columbians vulnerable. Plus... It may be summer, but it's still winter on the mountains, a lesson one adventurer found out the hard way. And... You have to understand uh, where First Nations people have been. TransLink's first Indigenous liaison police officer tells us how all officers can be part of the solution. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Days after regulators warned that the condo insurance market in BC is unhealthy, another horror story has surfaced. In order to get coverage for another year, strata owners of an East Vancouver condo say they'll have to pay a premium that's more than their annual operating budget. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, that's just the start of their costs. Insurance renewal for this East Vancouver condo building has come without any peace of mind for the 47 owners. I've had a lot of sleepless nights about this. Yeah, I've been worrying about people in the building. The bill due Monday will be enormous, and that's just a start. Only one company agreed to take on the risk. The cost is almost five times more than what they pay right now. Our current premium, I believe, is 32000 a year, and... At minimum, the new one, the only quote we've got to this point is going to be more than 160000 So our operating budget is $160,000 a year. At least that was last year. It's obviously going to be going up. On top of the staggering bill, the insurance company is mandating a complete rewiring of the whole building. Hundreds of thousands, maybe more, in extra costs, despite the fact the wiring has been signed off on by an electrical engineer. We are being told we have to wire remove all the aluminum wire from our building, which is far beyond building code in BC. and makes, um, to our, in our opinion, makes no sense whatsoever. The insurance issue facing Strata Council has become a crisis. About 30% of all British Columbians live in a strata. And it doesn't seem to matter to the insurance industry what the real risk is. New buildings, older structures, councils that fund regular maintenance or not. The Condominium Homeowners Association says it's a lack of competition driving the premiums higher. There is only a limited number of insurers. We have a small group of brokers who have basically cornered the market. The government waiting on a report from the Financial Services Authority, which has already concluded the market is unhealthy. Changes to the market likely not coming for months yet. Aaron, Global News. So will the strata insurance issue be a big part of the new legislative session that starts tomorrow? Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us live from Victoria. Keith, obviously pandemic spending will be scrutinized, but mm -hmm. what about this insurance problem? 
Oh, it's going to come up. You can be sure. The Liberals are actually trying to look for issues that uh, can separate them from the NDP, not about public health. Nobody's going to start questioning Dr. Bonnie Henry or what the government's doing on public health. There are going to be questions, though, about financial aid packages and government doing more to help people caught in financial crisis. The pandemic is exacerbating the problem condo owners are facing. We caught up with the two House leaders today, both Mike Farnworth and Mary Polak. Mr. Farnworth says it's really about uh, shepherding through the House a lot of bills that were stuck on the order paper when everything shut down in March. And Mary Pollack says, no, they're going to be holding the government's feet to the fire on critical issues. And that includes the condo insurance crisis. Here's the two of them. The top priorities are to get le the legislation that's already in the books passed. Uh, there's some new bills that uh, need to go in there. Some of them will be dealing with COVID, uh, as well as the uh, the budget estimates. So the estimates for each ministry uh, have to be uh, debated and passed, and that's going to take up uh, the bulk of the time. Now it's time, as the legislature goes back, for us to be raising issues, certainly around COVID-19 and government response, but also around other issues like soaring strata insurance, for example, that are really affecting everyday people. Now, it's going to look radically different uh, starting tomorrow, Colleen, because not everybody's coming back to the House. Most MLAs will be communicating in debates through Zoom uh, uh, calls, Zoom chats, in their offices or even in their homes. Uh, there's only going to be room for about two dozen MLAs in the chamber at any one time because they are going to be respecting physical um, distancing measures, and that means sitting two or three desks apart. Uh, it's going to be look extraordinary. I've seen some of the dress rehearsals where you've got upwards of 60 MLAs on Zoom chat on screens in the chamber. Uh, they've done some rehearsals. Things seem to be working uh, fine, but it all begins for real tomorrow starting at 10 a.m. Should be interesting. Thanks, Keith. Métis mm -hmm. Nation BC is recommending a racism in the healthcare system tip line be set up after shocking allegations about hospital workers playing a game to guess the blood alcohol levels of emergency room patients. It's alleged ER staff would play a game similar to the prices right to guess the blood alcohol levels of many patients, mainly indigenous ones. Health Minister Adrian Dix ordered an investigation appointing the province's former children's watchdog and prominent indigenous lawyer Mary Ellen Turpelafon to lead it. We feel it's important for us to have a tip line so people feel it's a safe place to go to report racism uh, in the workplace uh, if they want to give their information for uh, Mary Ellen Trapel lafond maybe to uh, contact them and find out what their issues are. They have to be able to do that without worrying about are they going to be able uh, to keep their job? Are they going to be fired? Is there going to be further racism? This is a huge issue. The game that we're hearing about is just the tip of the iceberg. A hiker was forced to spend the night on Mount Seymour after getting lost this weekend. As Grace Key reports, his rescue is a fresh reminder that even though it may officially be summer now, winter conditions remain on the mountains. It's day two in the search for a missing hiker who's already spent a cold, wet night at Mount Seymour Provincial Park. The man called 911 at about 4.30 Saturday afternoon saying he was lost. His cell phone dropped out before anyone could get a location. We found some tracks um, below Ponce Lake, which is on the east side of um, Mount Seymour Park. And we're hoping those are his and that he's somewhere below that headed down towards Indian Arm. Rescuers searched on the ground, in the air, and in the water for the missing hiker. They picked up some tracks down a steep drainage area. Once the clouds cleared, a helicopter was eventually able to spot the hiker. We were able to uh, spot our subject just at the bottom of waterfalls. Fortunately, he was waving at us, so 
we knew he was um, fairly good shape, standing and waving, and we were able to access it with a 250-foot long line. The hiker was flown to a waiting ambulance where he was able to walk on his own. Searchers weren't able to speak with him right away to learn what unfolded, but say he is an inexperienced hiker not from the area. He went by himself. He didn't leave a trip plan, and I don't think he had a clue where he was going. He left his headlamp at home. So I think misadventure, um, you know, he's got to be a lot better prepared. Searchers are reminding hikers to check out websites such as Adventure Smart BC before heading out and to be aware it's still winter-like conditions on the mountains. Grace Key, Global News. A Vancouver Island woman spent this Father's Day searching for answers in the 24-year-old mystery of her missing dad. Lisa Peterson and her family put up a sign in Port Alberni today and where her father, Donald, was last seen. Peterson, who lived in Surrey, was 57 when Mounties say he disappeared during a trip to Vancouver Island in June of 1996. On June 3rd, he told his wife he was going to look at retirement property and would be staying at a hotel in Courtney. He met with family friends at the Cumberland Hotel on June 6th before he was last seen in Port Alberni three days later. Peterson worked for Overweighty Foods and was three years away from a full retirement package when he vanished. He was going to build his dream home and uh, on a lake so that their grandkids could have that lifestyle. He just wouldn't leave us. Like, he loved us too much. He just wouldn't leave us. And um, he loved us too much. And so I know he's gone. It's the not knowing part um, that, that bothers me the most, of not knowing what happened to him. Because he, he would not just vanish. Police say there have been various unconfirmed sightings of Peterson since his disappearance, and the file remains a missing persons case. Anyone with information is asked to contact Surrey RCMP or Crime Stoppers. Well, with less traffic on the roads during the first two months of the pandemic, some Vancouver drivers saw it as an opportunity to put the pedal to the metal. As Kristen Robinson reports, we're now hearing just how fast and furious some drivers were this year. With less traffic during the pandemic, Vancouver drivers took a full throttle turn. The VPD saw a 44% spike in excessive speeding this past March and April, over the same time last year. 57% more tickets were issued in March 2020, while April clocked a 28% year-over-year rise. Why so fast and furious? And the whole idea is to catch the aggressive drivers. We asked the retired cop known as Darth Radar for impounding more than 2,000 vehicles in six years. Grant Gottgatru says during the early days of COVID, some BC police departments were told not to conduct unnecessary enforcement. The, the bosses said, well, we don't want you guys exposed. Combined with empty roads, some drivers saw it as an invitation to speed. They'll treat the highway or they'll treat city streets as the Autobahn. There's no officers out there doing the enforcement. Then it's just uh, it, it, some, some of the motorists obviously took advantage of that. 40 kilometers over the limit will net you a $368 fine, 60k or more, $483 on top of ICBC penalties. They're going to hit you three different times on top of the price of that ticket. A driver risk premium uh, and driver penalty points on top on top of higher insurance rates. 
And they're the, they're the only insurer in this country uh, to do that. Vancouver, not the only city seeing more high-speed impounds. Burnaby saw more than 162% year-over-year surge in March and April, while Saanich saw a 700% spike at the start of COVID. Drivers were taking advantage of the lack of enforcement to the point where uh, they decided, no, we need to do enforcement. After a flat-out run, it appears police are the ones accelerating now, sharing the spoils of May speed crackdowns. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Starting tomorrow, open drinking will be allowed in some public spaces in the city of North Vancouver. The bylaw allows residents and visitors to drink alcohol from 11 in the morning to 9 o'clock at night. Seven days a week at sections of five local parks and four other outdoor areas, including Civic Plaza. The city is trying to create outdoor spaces for people to socialize in a way that's respecting physical distancing while also supporting local restaurants and breweries. The city is the first B.C. municipality to allow public alcohol consumption in specific outdoor locations. And the program runs until October 15th. Also tomorrow, Grouse Mountain will have a phased reopening for annual pass holders and downloaded ticket purchasers only. Along with stepped-up cleanings, capacity on the Skyride will be reduced by 70% to allow for physical distancing. Face masks will be mandatory on the gondola and temperature screenings will be required before boarding. Visitors will have to book the Skyride in advance. Starting tomorrow, limited camping is returning to some national parks. Parks Canada says Banff, Yoho and Kootenai National Parks will be offering limited capacity camping. But the experience will be different than in previous years. Cooking shelters and shower facilities will remain closed. And washrooms will operate at limited capacity to support distancing measures. Visitors are asked to plan ahead, reserve a spot and follow local and provincial travel and health regulations. Former Burnaby City Councillor Nick Volko has died. Volko lost his battle with brain cancer yesterday afternoon at his Burnaby home. He was a councillor for 24 years, having first been elected to council in 1996. He was passionate about improving opportunities for young people and was involved in the development of four youth centres and skateboard parks. Volko was 67 years old. A teacher at a school in Lake Country landed in some hot water after sparking a fire in his classroom. He also failed to wear the proper safety equipment while carrying out a hazardous science experiment. But, as Jules Knox reports, students at George Eliot are pleading for his return, having taught and learned a costly lesson. A grade 9 science experiment gone wrong cost the Central Okanagan School District nearly $60,000 and resulted in the Lake Country teacher responsible for the mistake being suspended and transferred to a new school. In February 2018, Alan Penner used potentially hazardous materials to make a chemical volcano for his class, according to documents published by BC's Commissioner for Teacher Regulation. The report says Penner wrapped the residue from the experiment in paper towels and threw them into the classroom garbage can, where they reacted with the trash, sparking flames a few hours later. The Lake Country Fire Department rushed to the school to put out the blaze around 10 o'clock that night, where they found water from the sprinkler system coming out from under a classroom door. Firefighters said the flames had crept up a classroom wall and there was heavy smoke and water damage. 
The commissioner noted that the teacher didn't follow the chemical safety sheets and failed to wear safety gear or use a fume hood, putting students at risk for chemical exposure. In September 2018, the school district suspended Penner without pay for 10 days and transferred him away from George Elliott Secondary, where he taught for more than 20 years. Approximately 900 people have since signed a petition calling him one of the most valued, loved and funniest teachers in the community, asking for his return to the school. According to the commissioner's ruling, Penner admitted to professional misconduct and agreed to a three-day suspension of his teaching certificate this June. Jules Knox, Global News, Lake Country. Land is still shifting near a small community in the B.C. Peace region, forcing the only road into town to be closed to residents of Old Fort, about 15-minute drive from Fort St. John. A bit on evacuation alert all weekend. The Transportation Ministry now says 80 to 100 millimeters of land has moved due to a slide. An Old Fort road has been closed until further notice. Geotechnical crews are assessing the scene. In 2018, the town's residents were evacuated for about a month after another landslide slide blocked the road. UBC students have effectively pressured the chair of UBC's Board of Governors to resign. Michael Korenberg stepped down this weekend saying he regrets liking a series of racist tweets by Donald Trump and the far right, including a tweet linking the Black Lives Matter movement to Hitler's parliamentary wing. Catherine Urquhart has more. UBC is one of the most respected universities in Canada and around the world. But now it's dealing with a scandal involving its Board of Governors, which manages the school's $2.3 billion operating budget. The chair forced to resign because his social media activity included liking hateful, racist tweets. I think it's, if he's a position of a leadership at the university, it's incumbent upon him to reflect community values. Michael Korenberg was an adjunct professor at UBC's Allard School of Law for 24 years. In 2016, he was appointed to the university's Board of Governors, then elected chair in 2018. It all ended after the group Students Against Bigotry posted photos from his Twitter account. They showed he had liked tweets praising U.S. President Trump's references to protesters as violent looters and a conspiracy theory comparing Black Lives Matter protests to Adolf Hitler's paramilitary tactics. UBC's Board of Governors has issued a statement saying that it has zero tolerance for racism adding that it is committed to addressing systemic racism. Kornberg has since tweeted an apology, saying, I owe all students, faculty and staff and all those who stand against all forms of discrimination an apology. I do so with all my heart. I think it's good that he's resigned and took the responsibility because no one like that should be the head of any form of university. Also condemning the tweets, BC's advanced education minister, as UBC deals with the troubling circumstances surrounding the resignation of Michael Kornberg, his position as chair is being filled temporarily by another board member. Catherine Urquhart, Global News, Vancouver. Kornberg's resignation comes after UBC assistant men's basketball coach Vern Knopp was let go from the team earlier this month after he was called out over his recent social media activity. A Twitter account for the podcast Muted Madness pointed out that Knopp had liked a video that claimed the Black Lives Matter movement is, quote, a leftist lie. Knopp later posted a statement that said in part, someone distorted the truth. UBC bought it and removed me as basketball coach. 
The actions of police officers around the world are under heightened scrutiny right now in the wake of the deaths of George Floyd in Minneapolis and Vancouver Island's Chantal Moore in New Brunswick. It's hoped the hiring of an indigenous liaison officer with Metro Vancouver's transit police will be one step forward to a solution. Paul Johnson has that story. Out on his beat at the Broadway commercial Skytrain station in East Van, transit officer Kirk Rattray is using the two most valuable skills in his line of police work, talking and listening. I grew up in Cassiar, BC, Whitehorse, Fort St. John. At 6'2", and well north of 200 pounds, Rattray's an imposing figure in a uniform. But it's his background as a man from the north of First Nations descent that helps him connect in a way others may not. A lot of it has to do with the colonization of indigenous people in Canada, right? So uh, all the issues that came with that, residential schools, 60, 60 school. So today is Rattray's first official shift as transit police indigenous relations officer. As people around the world have demanded changes in the way police deal with non-white citizens, you can expect positions like Rattray's are the shape of things to come. Here's Rattray being blessed in a traditional smudge ceremony before taking on his new role. From my experience over the last 25 or so years, uh, things are improving. But he says there's still a long way to go. While white people are likely to see police as someone there to help them, for many people of First Nations descent, experience has taught them something different. Police are there to arrest someone um, anytime they go into the community. Rattray's advice to other police officers is this. Try and understand the history of Canada's First Nations and see the world through their eyes or just come down to the SkyTrain station and find the tall cop from northern BC. He'll be happy to tell you. You have to understand uh, where First Nations people have been. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. On this National Indigenous Peoples Day, SFU held a special ceremony for its graduating Indigenous students. I think it's really exciting to uh, be graduating, albeit in these weird uh, circumstances. Um, uh, but I'm also grateful for being able to gather and celebrate and honor each other uh, virtually. A virtual honoring feast bringing together dignitaries, students and Indigenous leaders to help celebrate the 250 grads watching from home. The university also sent food to all the graduates ahead of the virtual event to make this day as special as possible during the pandemic. RCMP in Alberta say they have issued several tickets to American visitors in national parks. Police say they issued seven tickets to Americans in the Lake Louise area in Banff National Park. Americans have to abide by Canadian Border Service Agency instructions, including a two-week quarantine and all non-essential travel into Canada is prohibited. A deadly stabbing attack in the UK has been declared a terrorist incident by police. Three people are dead and three others seriously wounded in an attack last night in a town outside of London. A 25-year-old was arrested at the scene. Police previously said the attack was initially being treated as a murder investigation. They praised members of the public who helped officers during the unfolding incident. 
President Trump's rally in Tulsa drew an underwhelming crowd with his campaign reboot falling short. The campaign event, the president's first since the pandemic hit nearly four months ago, was expected to bring about 19,000 people. But the fire marshal put attendance at 6,200. The lower bowl of the arena was full, but the upper level and the floor were sparse. The Trump administration blamed the media for the low turnout, warning people about COVID or protesters. Although masks were handed out as rallygoers entered the building, not many people were wearing them, even though social distancing was not possible. Lower attendance may also be attributed to anti-Trump teens purchasing tickets online to leave seats empty. The president spoke for about an hour and 45 minutes, saying he had asked his administration to slow down COVID testing to reduce the numbers. The U.S. is seeing a record high surge in COVID-19 cases right across the country. It's so bad, one Washington state hospital is running out of ICU beds. And a Florida mayor is suggesting the entire state may need to shut down all over again. We are filling the stockpile in anticipation of a possible problem in the fall. As new infections rise across the country from Oregon to South Carolina. In Washington state, the governor says Yakima County hospitals are overwhelmed with sick patients. ICU patients are being transferred uh, to Seattle for lack of capacity. Florida reporting 13 consecutive days of more than 1,000 new cases. In response, the Department of Health advising all Floridians to wear masks when social distancing is impossible. Miami's mayor saying the state shouldn't rule out another stay-at-home order. We can't take anything off the table. Uh, some of the numbers that we're seeing are incredibly alarming. Arizona hit hard, setting records only a month after the stay-at-home order expired. Saturday in Phoenix, lines stretch over a mile with hundreds waiting to get tested. Hospitalizations also reaching a record high this weekend in Texas and North Carolina, where the influx in cases is pushing rural hospitals to the limit. Just having 10 ICU beds is a big constraint. Comedian D.L. Hughley became one of the latest COVID-19 patients after collapsing during a performance in Nashville Friday night. He's out of the hospital and now in quarantine. Turns out they ran a battery of tests and I also tested positive for COVID-19, which blew me away. Um, I was what they call asymptomatic. In the last two weeks, daily cases dropped in the former epicenter, New York City, setting the stage for the next phase of reopening. Tomorrow, outdoor dining, in-store retail, and salons are back in business with restrictions. That as long as it's safe, we want to be here for them, and I hope they're excited to come back. Proceeding with caution as a threat looms. Brazil's government says the country has surpassed more than one million confirmed COVID-19 cases, placing it second only to the U.S. But health specialists believe the actual number could be seven times higher. Brazil's president is still downplaying the risks of the virus, despite nearly 50,000 deaths in just three months. One of the hardest hit countries in Europe for COVID-19 has lifted its three-month state of emergency. Spain is now opening its borders to European tourists. It's also allowing relatives to visit their loved ones at nursing homes. With lifting of restrictions, residents at this nursing home in Madrid can now receive two physically distanced visits a week from two relatives for one hour. The visits are always emotional. 
More than 19,000 elderly people are believed to have died in nursing homes across Spain due to the coronavirus. BC is still not allowing in-person visits to long-term care residences. More than 80% of all COVID deaths in Canada have been in nursing homes. Last night's rare astronomical event that will only happen once more this century. We're going to have that for you right after Yvonne's forecast. We couldn't see it here, though, Yvonne. <laughs> no, we couldn't. But online, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. Yes. Um, good evening, everyone. I managed to see some breaks in the cloud cover. We started off with a few showers for a few spots across the province, but it's brightened up across Metro Vancouver. It's beautiful overlooking English Bay right now. Temperatures are sitting at 19 in a southeasterly wind at 11 kilometers per hour. Another great shot that was captured in Vancouver today. So thank you so much, John, for submitting that. We see Science World, False Creek, fantastic. Highs today, warming up for the interior, 28 near Kamloops, a soil up to 27 and a few spots in the southern interior tomorrow still warming up closer to 30 degrees so we've got a warm day we've got a mini ridge that is going to build across the province but we do have a system for the north and central coast now the timeline and what we're tracking metro vancouver partly cloudy overnight. Temperatures will be sitting at 12 degrees. We've got a mix of sun and clouds, so a pleasant start to the work week, and temperatures ranging between 21 by the water, areas away from the water getting up to 24 degrees. Now, the timeline for the rain that's going to move in across the south coast will be on Tuesday. We do have more cloud cover starting to build in, and then on Tuesday, it's cloud cover and a chance of showers. The southern interior will be included within that and still remaining unsettled on Wednesday so far. Temperature trends, so it still warms up over the next few days and then a bit cooler as we get in towards Friday and potentially next weekend but still two more hot days especially in the southern interior with a few spots bumping up closer to 30 degrees. Now the northern half of the province tomorrow rain and heavy at times it is breezy for a few spots that are closer to the water. Temperatures will be at 14 degrees. Still dry conditions for the northeastern corners of the province. Much of the central interior tomorrow, it's cloud cover but still remaining dry. Prince George up to 18 degrees. A nice break for the southeastern corners of the province warming up closer to 30 degrees and the Thompson Okanagan tomorrow a hot one. A Soyuz climbing up to 30 degrees. There is more cloud cover for areas near Whistler and there is a blip in the forecast for the north and central half of the island. Cloud cover a chance of showers as early as the morning. It'll intensify through the day and then all areas across the south coast. We've got a wet day in store for Tuesday. It'll be a touch cooler for a few spots. We will see that cloud cover on Wednesday with the chance of showers. So Tuesday, Wednesday, cloud cover clearing towards the evening on Wednesday and then back into some sunshine for Thursday. For tomorrow, still another warm day. UV index will be high. Areas away from the water getting up to 24. Colleen? Lovely. All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. A lunar spectacle had many looking up. Have a look at this. A shimmering ring of light enthralled people in South Asia today, witnessing the annual Ring of Fire solar eclipse. Sky watchers in Taiwan, India and Pakistan gazed up to see the event. The ring-like solar eclipse happens when the moon is further away in its orbit around the Earth and its diameter appears smaller and unable to entirely block out the sun's light. Ring of Fire eclipses are not uncommon but one that falls on the summer solstice is very rare. The last one was in 1982. The next will be in 2039, the only other time this century. And clearly, Barry, he was, he was 
praising the sun. Um, okay, the sun set last night and rose this morning at Stonehenge in England for summer solstice with only a small group of visitors this time. The tens of thousands of revelers who normally gather at the ancient monument were absent this year because of the pandemic restrictions. Mass gatherings remain banned in the UK, so heritage officials streamed the sunset and sunrise online. And that is a really, really awesome place to visit if you've ever gone, but it would be especially cool with no one there. <laughs> no crowds, get a photo. <laughs> no kidding, a rarity. Yeah, I was, I was figuring the guy with the eclipse. I mean, I've seen an eclipse before. I've not worn my swim trunks like he was doing, no. but he was obviously uh, gesturing up there. It was interesting to see. It got me by surprise. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Barry? <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, no, we have a great golf tournament today in uh, Hilton Head Island, uh, South Carolina. Uh, record scores, some great shots. We'll have highlights of that. And Father's Day and Chase Claypool, who we followed uh, this year, drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hey. Great surprise gift for his dad today. Something oh. we'd all love to do, I think. And shockingly, it was caught on social media. So we have it for you. Okay. So shocking. All right, looking forward to it, Barry. Right. Thank you. There is continuing debate over face masks. Our own Dr. Bonnie Henry put off recommending them so that we wouldn't become overly reliant on them and stop physical distancing. And of course, there are those who can't or shouldn't wear them. But you're about to see how well they work and why you likely have everything you need for one right at home. I have a doctor's note. These days, what goes on your face seems to be on everyone's mind. You are nuts wearing that mask for a 99%. But a growing body of research shows face masks may help slow the spread of coronavirus. At the University of Illinois, scientists use a device that generates high-velocity droplets similar to the breath coming out of someone with COVID-19, to test how various household fabrics perform as masks. They found two layers and three layers of T-shirt fabric are highly effective at blocking droplets when you cough, sneeze, or talk. We don't have to rely on masks being made from a company or a factory from another country. Uh, we all have it at our home. Overseas at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland, researchers tested masks using a mannequin connected to a cough simulating machine. These images show the airflow when someone breathes or coughs without a mask, and this is the airflow with a mask. The research finding masks extremely effective at preventing forward airflow, though for some, air can escape from the back and sides. And some of these masks, the ones that weren't tightly fitting around the mouth, there was a backward jet. And these can actually, um, we have to be really careful when we're not wearing properly fitted masks. Both the Illinois and Edinburgh studies have not yet been published in a medical journal, but add to research already showing masks can work. Like this study, which found mandatory mask wearing in 15 states in Washington, D.C., possibly averted up to 450,000 COVID cases over the course of nearly eight weeks. Joe Fryer, NBC News. KFC has unveiled what it calls the Restaurant of the Future, an automated store where customers and employees barely interact. After the food is cooked, a robotic arm puts the order into a secured box, which can be opened by a code given to the customer. Customers can pay with either bank cards or by using face biometric data after completing a registration process. A KFC representative said the company built this outlet in Moscow before the outbreak of the coronavirus made its methods a more sanitary way to order food. 
Barry's here now with sports. Barry, I have a funny feeling that even non-golf fans are enjoying golf because there is so little sports to watch on yeah TV. yeah and these guys it's a, it's a, despite the fact there's no fans on the course uh yeah. the players are really playing great they you know they've been itching to get back at it too and uh so far so good yeah thanks colleen canadian Corey connors was uh, certainly in position today to make a run at his second career pga tour victory connors began the final round at the rbc heritage at hilton head uh, south carolina just two off the lead but he bogeyed his first hole and never got it going on a day when the birdies were raining down at Harbor Town. Beautiful morning at Hilton Head, but that would change. Brooks Kepka has won two U.S. Opens. This is the traditional weekend of the U.S. Open, but of course the schedule's been altered due to COVID-19. But Kepka, one of the big hitters. Look at that. It's a 329-yard par four. He drives the par four, not only on the green, but to three feet, and he would make the eagle putt, and Kepka finished seventh at 18 uh, under par. The score is super low at uh, Hilton Head, usually not this low. Carol Hatton about to hit a birdie putt, but the horn goes to suspend play. Lightning and Hatton can't believe it. Heavy rain as well. It was a two-hour, 45-minute rain delay. When they came back, we saw some incredible shot making. Joaquin Neiman, the young Chilean player, chips in for birdie. The 21-year-old finished tied for fifth at 19 under. The rain softened the greens, and these guys were throwing darts, as they say. Mexico's Abraham Anser, third-round co-leader, that is a great shot at the ninth, led to birdie. He was uh, still tied for the lead at that point. Webb Simpson also began the day tied for the lead, gets his round really going on the back nine, rolls in the birdie at 13, and he's at 19 under and tied for the lead. Daniel Berger, one last week at Colonial. Check this out. That is a chip-in birdie at 17, gets to 20 under, and that's into a three-way tie now for first with Simpson and answer. But Webb Simpson broke the tie just moments later. A birdie at 16 to get to 21 under. Englishman Terrell Hatton uh, trying to stay in the hunt. He makes birdie, too. Everyone was making birdies, but he would finish tied for third at 20 under. But there was no stopping Webb Simpson at 17. This is his third straight birdie and his fifth in a six-hole stretch. Simpson in the second-to-last group post 22 under par and a two-shot lead, but Abraham answer wasn't done yet. Clutch birdie at the 17th, gets to 21 under and back to within one of Simpson. On 18, answer from distance needs to make this to force a playoff. But maybe the rain on those greens slowed him up just a little bit. Comes up just short. Finishes second. A shot behind the winner, Webb Simpson, who takes his seventh career PGA Tour victory. It's his second win of the season. Now leads the FedEx Cup. That 22 underscore breaks the tournament record by two. It was that uh, minus 20. Uh, Corey Connors ended up finishing tied for 21st. Adam Hadwin tied for 41st after a two under 69 today. English Premiership, Liverpool and Everton. Liverpool should clinch the title over the next week or so. No Mo Salah today Unavail- was available to sub, but Jurgen Klopp held him out. Scoreless until late, Everton almost strike. Tom Davies off the post remains scoreless. Liverpool didn't create much, but in stoppage time, Fabinho on the free kick curls one over the wall, but tipped over the crossbar. It ends nil-nil. Liverpool's record now 27 wins, two draws, one loss. Just their third blemish of the season. Two more wins in their last eight matches, and they would clinch the title.
Aston Villa hosting Chelsea. John Terry and Frank Lampard, former Chelsea mates. Lampard, the head coach at Chelsea. Terry is an assistant at Aston Villa. And despite being outplayed in the first half, Villa get the only goal of the opening 45. Courtney Hawes getting a couple of cracks at it. Makes good on the second attempt. And Villa led 1-0 at halftime. But in the second half, American Christian Pulisic comes on as a sub and he pitches right in, takes the cross on the volley and Chelsea are level thanks to the 21-year-old American. And just two minutes after that goal, Olivier Giroud in a dangerous spot turns and fires and maybe took a deflection off a defender. But uh, Chelsea will take it. Two goals in a two-minute span. And in the blink of an eye, Chelsea take out Aston Villa. Two on the final. Blues now five points up on Man United for fourth. NASCAR fans hoping to watch the Talladega 500 today. We'll have to wait until tomorrow. Heavy rain in Alabama washed out the race. It's rescheduled for noon our time on Monday. Rain's been an issue so far. Talladega is race nine on the NASCAR Cup Series schedule and is the fifth race to be impacted by rain. NFL news and reports have quarterback Dak Prescott signing a $31.4 million exclusive franchise tender with the Cowboys. The tender serves as a one-year deal while they uh, try to work out an extension with a July 15th deadline where he would be an unrestricted uh, free agent in 2021. He is obligated to report to Cowboys training camp even if they don't come to terms on the extension. Prescott passed for 4,900 yards and 30 touchdowns last season. Oh, watch out. Oh, my God. And this was the scene as Abbotsford's Chase Claypool, who was drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers this past April, fulfilled the dream today by surprising his dad with a new truck on Father's Day. Great reaction from his dad, Chris. Claypool had a standout season at wide receiver at Notre Dame and was drafted 49th overall by the Steelers. He's got a heart of gold as he also got his mom a new Jeep on Mother's Day. Going to have to befriend Chase Claypool. He loves to give out the gifts. I love that. You know. That's so yeah. fantastic. Isn't that nice? And, I think everyone wants to give out the gift with the, the car with the bow on it. Oh. Now he can do that. Yvonne and Barry are here now. Time for our nightly look at our BC Healthcare heroes. Yvonne. Tonight we are honoring a husband and wife duo. Brianna Thacker is a respiratory therapist at Royal Columbia Hospital in New Westminster. And her husband, Matt, is a registered nurse in the Pediatric Emergency Department at Surrey Memorial Hospital. Both Matt and Brianna have been on the front lines throughout the, the pandemic and working long hours during this time. Thank you both, and thank you to all who work alongside you. If you have a healthcare hero to nominate, email us a few pictures to bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca and tell us why they are your hero. Thanks, guys. Boy, talk about keeping healthcare in the family. Hey? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Busy people. Uh, okay, on this pandemic Father's Day, many found a new and creative way to celebrate Dad. Four, please. <laughs> Nice day for it. Some families spent the day at the PNE Father's Day weekend car Get it? Dubbed the first ever indoor drive-through car show. Attendees checked out classic and muscle cars as they dug into some PNE favorites. There we go. <laughs> there he is. It's a little bit of a different Father's Day today. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Is nice. it slow? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's still got his car show. Yeah. You got your car show in? Oh, yeah. 
We did yep. two laps. <laughs> two laps. And then he gets some eats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Very different, yeah. Um, but, you know, seeing a little bit of family in our small circle is still, still good. Oh, nice. Nice way to celebrate dad. What the heck? So Every dad likes a good rack of ribs, I'll tell you. <laughs> so long as they, sell, they, they provide a lot of napkins, that yes. would be my only caveat. Yeah, yeah. yeah dads are a little messy. Always have something <laughs> on their face. No, it's good. embarrassing. <laughs> that is uh, the news hour for tonight. Jordan is here at 11. Thanks for joining us, and have a happy Father's Day. Love you, Dad. <laughs>